like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing home and assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Steve Heisler is the creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center and has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 20 years. You have questions, and Steve Heisler has answers. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Top of the day to our injured senior, elderly, and aging population community. I am Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and you are tuned in to another episode of the Injured Senior Podcast. For those of you who don't know, the Injured Senior Podcast is a show dedicated to discussing legal and medical issues of vital importance to the senior, elderly, and aging population and to their children, loved ones, and caregivers. I want to give a quick shout out to our kind sponsor, the National Injured Senior Law Center. Folks, one-third of the American population are seniors and, and elderly individuals as well. The National Injured Senior Law Center is who they go to if they have a legal issue in which they were injured due to the fault of somebody else. So to learn more about the National Injured Senior Law Center, go to www.InjuredSeniorHotline.com. You will not be dissatisfied. So you heard me lamenting in one of our recent shows that dementia and Alzheimer's have, have been recognized as the biggest public health crisis in the United States. Well, that might be the case, but right now, ladies and gentlemen, the number one health crisis today in America is COVID. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I I thought you'd agree with me. I don't know if you're keeping track of the numbers, but as of November 13th, 2020, which is the day we're taping today, there have been 10 million 888,324 cases uh, in the good old United States of America and 248,686 deaths in this country. Now this, of course, is the Injured Senior Podcast, and we want to focus on how the coronavirus has impacted the senior, elderly, and aging population. Now here's a statistic for you, ladies and gentlemen, and it kind of sums it all up. According to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, eight out of 10 COVID-19 deaths have been adults aged 65 years and older. Wow, that's scary. Um, That's approximately 200,000 deaths for individuals 65 years or older. Hopefully, nobody in our a uh, listening audience uh, has a loved one or, or has a senior elder who has succumbed to, to COVID. Um, here's some more data for you. The COVID-19 death rate by age as of 2-11, February 11, 2020, uh, in China was 1.9% for age 50 to 59, 3.6% ages 60 to 69, 
18.8% ages 70 to 79 and 14.8% for the 80 plus age group. That This is according to the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. We're not in China. I'm just trying to show to you that way back before it even hit America, it was affecting elderly individuals uh, in Asia. We have an infectious disease physician, Dr. Johnny Cascone, on today to discuss the effect that the coronavirus has had on the aging population in the United States. One more thing. Approximately 38% of all U.S. deaths in the U.S. due to coronavirus, and by the way, uh, that 38% of all uh, coronavirus deaths in the U.S., 87,000 plus are connected to nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. That's right. Almost 40% of all individuals who have died from coronavirus have died uh, in, in an assisted living facility uh, nursing home or a long-term care facility. That, my friends, is striking. We're going to ask Dr. John about that. We've talked about the problem with infection control in nursing homes, uh, and that was back on episode 13 with Richard Mollett. Uh, but this, um, he was talking about in, in, infection control problems in nursing homes pre-COVID, and COVID is an infection. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that the fact that 40% of everyone who's died from COVID has died in a nursing home. It's already uh, a breeding ground for infection just on its own without COVID. So with COVID, the, it's, it's got to be a, it's a horror show. So if you're a senior uh, or you're the uh, loved one or caregiver of a senior who's in a long-term care facility, uh, you obviously are worried. Um, by the way, I have a client in Maryland that works in a nursing home uh, who actually got COVID. She's young, but she works on a unit in this nursing home with 60 residents, 40 of which got COVID, some of which died. So, ladies and gentlemen of the injured senior community, we have Dr. Cascone on today, who has been on the show twice before today. He is a board-certified infectious disease physician and is the medical director of several nursing homes in southwest Missouri. Welcome back, Dr. Johnny. Uh, is it Thank still you. okay to call you Dr. Johnny? Absolutely. Thank you, Steve, for having, having me back on. Great. I'm, I'm so happy to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, sir. Doing well. It's good to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Uh, all right. So we're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic uh, you heard me talk about how COVID has uh, disproportionately uh, impacted the aging population. Why do you think generally this is the case? Let me get some definitions out of the way, and then I'll, we'll talk about why this pandemic is disproportionately affecting the elderly. Uh, COVID-19 is the name of the disease caused by the virus, sars coronavirus 2 and coronaviruses um, are, are, are well known uh, to, to mankind. They're the, they're the cause of the common cold. Um, this particular coronavirus um, that has caused this pandemic is uh, unique. It's related to a pandemic that we had in 2002, the SARS pandemic, um, and it's the first cousin of that, particular, of that coronavirus um, uh, that caused SARS in 2002. You pointed out data uh, from China in February of 2020, 
where it talked about if you were 80 plus years of age, your risk of dying from COVID-19 was 15%. If you compare that to a 20 year old who gets COVID-19, their risk of dying is 0.2%. So you have this exponentially greater risk of death in the elderly. Why that is, we don't know for sure. It, prob- it has to do probably with a number of factors. One, the elderly have mo- more comorbid conditions, okay? High blood pressure, heart disease, uh, diabetes, um, obesity. And those, those comorbid conditions increase your risk of having a bad outcome from COVID-19. The other issue that probably is going to pan out to be the case is that the SARS coronavirus 2, the way it infects us is it attaches to a receptor on our cell called ACE2, A-C-E-2. And it's kind of like a lock and key mechanism. The virus attaches to that lock, opens up the door, if you will, and then the virus gains entry within the cell of our the cells of our body and, and causes the disease COVID-19. As we get older, that receptor probably goes up, is in a higher concentration in our elderly population compared to the younger population. And and that may have something to do with it in terms of why this infection is um yeah you know, why the elderly are most vulnerable to um to death from this from this uh, pandemic. But it's a striking characteristic of this pandemic. Do you think it's more because of the receptor issue or more because of the comorbidities? I don't, I don't, I'm not for sure. I don't think anybody knows for sure. Um, it, 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 may, it, it may be a combination of both. It's more likely it's going to be a combination of both, if not something else that comes up in terms of a risk factor. Um, but this, isn't, this is not unique to this pandemic. Um, some, some pandemics, for instance, if you look back at the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, the mortality for that pandemic affected the younger group, um, 35-year-olds. The mortality rate is much higher in the elderly with this pandemic than it is in the younger population. The risk factors or the reasons why are probably a combination of the multiple comorbidities that the elderly have compared to the younger population, as well as this con- these concentrations or the concentration of the ACE2 receptor that's higher in the elderly. If you had to maybe throw out a comorbidity that would put a senior at the highest risk for, uh, uh, for COVID, is there maybe one that maybe jumps out as far as you know, a pre-existing condition that might be especially harmful to, uh, uh, to seniors as far as COVID is concerned? Well, in terms of risk factors, um, in general, hypertension and obesity, as well as cardiovascular disease, tend to be um, the most prominent risk factors um, or, or comorbidities that puts one at risk for COVID-19 and a bad outcome from COVID-19. And you see those risk factors in a higher proportion in the elderly. 
So, but is there one that maybe might be more dangerous uh, to uh, an elderly person than than any of the others? I, I think those three are the most are the most um, are the most dangerous: hypertension, okay. cardiovascular disease, and obesity. Okay, got it. Now, most people in general uh, who get COVID, uh, and I'm just looking at um, at statistics, uh, basically only suffer a mild illness. I think it's like 81% of people who get COVID sustain uh, a, a mild illness. Um, are the seniors and elderly that get COVID, uh, are they more in the severe and critical illness category? They, they tend to be, they tend to be symptomatic um, and they tend to have more severe disease. If you look at, just take this as an example, let's say you have 100 people who, have, who are infected with, the, with this virus that causes COVID-19. They're infected with the SARS coronavirus 2. Of those 100 people, you can remove 50 of them because 50 of them are going to be completely asymptomatic. And that's primarily going to be the younger, the younger people. Okay. Now, that leaves you with 50 left over that are going to be symptomatic, which is primarily going to be the older population. Of those 50, as you said, approximately 15 to 20% of those, of those 50 people are going to have severe and critical illness. And primarily the ones having severe and critical illness are going to be our elderly population. Are those the 20% that are seniors and elderly. Now the ones that don't, die from from covid what are some of the lasting effects that they can expect to have as a result of of having uh, contracted uh, covid yes so this is kind of the term for this is called post covid syndrome or long haulers is the other uh, term that's being used for for patients who suffered this infection and are having residual symptoms we don't know for sure because frankly it's a little bit early it's only been going, this pandemic's um, uh, less than a year old, um, and we, we're going to find out uh, more clearly what the long-term effects are as time passes. But some of the symptoms that you see, um, over half of the patients uh, who've suffered COVID-19 will have fatigue, uh, residual shortness of breath and cough in close to 40% and 40% plus, um, joint pains, just kind of feeling under the weather, you have these residual effects, and if you look at um, if you look at patients with COVID nineteen, um, close to forty percent of them three weeks later will um, will have uh, only only forty percent will return to baseline three weeks later, and that leaves a significant amount of people who even uh, within three weeks are still not uh, feeling back to um, uh, normal. Other, other issues um, or other residual symptoms that can occur with COVID are brain fog, where you just have a, a cognitive issue where you can't think of things, um, you don't think as clearly, um, and um, just not, it, it's, it's not a typical viral syndrome where you recover in about five to seven days, uh, it just, uh, just kind of drags on the symptoms. Uh, Dr. John, um what about the 
patients, the elderly or senior patients that had to be have to be intubated. Um, is that th those the post COVID syndrome that you talked about? Uh, are the some of the lasting effects that you you just just discussed? Is that increased if you if you were intubated or maybe sedated or you know uh, you know some something that was a little more intensive? Yes. Well, once a patient gets intubated with COVID-19, the, um, the mortality starts to go up astronaut goes, goes up significantly. Um, intubation with COVID-19 is kind of a, a last resort for us because it can cause or, or worsen the lung injury. And typically intubation with COVID-19 tends to be a prolonged intubation, meaning they spend days, if not weeks, uh, on the ventilator. And so not only do you have residual effects, from the virus, this post-COVID syndrome with the brain fog and fatigue and shortness of breath. But you also, patients are also at risk for what's called critical illness myopathy, meaning the prolonged ICU stay and the intubation uh, causes the muscles to weaken and just um, and not be reduce strength overall. So it's kind of a double whammy there in terms of um, affecting patients long-term. Thank you for that, uh, Dr. John. Appreciate it. Dr. Johnny, so let's talk about COVID-19 in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. Uh, you heard the statistic, 38% of all U.S. deaths happen in a nursing home or assisted living uh, facility. Can you talk a little bit about why so many people in nursing homes uh, are, are coming down with COVID? Yes, of course. So, Again, we have to remember this is a viral and this is a respiratory viral infection. So it is spread via close contact, um, via res with respiratory droplets in close contact for prolonged exposure. And, and, and the definition there is six feet for longer than 15 minutes. So if you're within six feet of somebody for longer than 15 minutes without a mask on, your risk of acquiring this virus from the other person. Is, is, is pretty significant. It's not just nursing homes, it's all congregate settings um, where you have patients or people in close contact for prolonged periods of times. Nursing homes, as we said, prisons, meat packing plants, cruise ships, these environments set people up for prolonged close exposure. Nursing homes, however, are unique because population of people in nursing homes tends to be the population that is most vulnerable to uh, disease and death from this pandemic. Okay. If you look at, if you look at hospitalization rates, they, they skyrocket as you get older and you look at elder, you look at fatality rates, they skyrocket as you get older um, uh, due to this, uh, due to this pandemic, um, the elderly are most vulnerable. So when you have a group of elderly patients, elderly people um, in a closed environment, um, you're likely to see um, COVID-19 spread rapidly and and, and uh, harm and uh, harm those patients. I take it that uh, the, the nursing home industry was probably uh, felt like they were hit by a brick uh, over the head when COVID happened, uh, and early on. Um, it was just kind of like, uh, 
just do what you can do to stop the bleeding. Uh, we're we're in a in the month nine now. Do you think that things have stabilized and gotten a little better as far as prevention uh, in uh, in the nursing home uh, uh, arena? Well, I think, I think we've made some inroads for sure. Uh, certainly, we have testing available now that we can do. Um, we can get rapid tests back um, within 15 minutes and be able to test our nursing home populations frequently. Um, we hopefully, if we can educate people to wear masks outside of the nursing homes, then when they come in to visit their loved ones, um, that um, they their their risk of them passing the virus on is 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 less because they haven't acquired acquired it on the outside. If you can reduce your case rate or the number of positive cases in your community, you're going to reduce the number of positive cases in your home. Are the deaths, uh, and I, I don't know how close you monitor the statistics, but are the deaths decreasing in, in the nursing home arena or is it kind of stayed steady or do you know anything about that? Yes. So, so if you look at the curves um, for daily case rate, um, Daily uh, hospital. Uh, let's see. If you look at the, the the curves for daily cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, the daily cases and the hospitalizations mirror each other. Mirror each other. As the case rate goes up, the hospitalization uh, rate goes up. Um, it lags behind about a week or so, um, and those curves are unfortunately on their way up. Um, I think we mentioned earlier. Um, the uh, the number of cases in the United States were 10.6 million cases and 242,000 plus deaths, and we've had, I think we had 150,000 positive cases, new cases today. Uh, the one positive uh, curve, if you will, are the daily death rate. Um, our death rate has come down with this pandemic, and that has to do with again uh, early testing, early diagnosis. Um, and we have, we've made some inroads in treatment um, that has impacted survival that we didn't have back in uh, March and April. Right. You saw the president came down with, with it and he got, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. Is it Re- Rems Desivier or um, I mean, he, he was given well, like, uh, you know, the Rolls Royce of, of uh, treatment uh, options for the, Average Joe or Jill in the nursing home, what what type of um, uh, remedies or or, or uh, treatments are they are they being given? So, so the the one treatment that has been shown to impact survival is um, is decadron or dexamethasone, and that was in a trial called the recovery trial out of the United Kingdom, and essentially, once patients with COVID-19, once they develop hypoxia, meaning their oxygen saturation uh, falls below a certain level, namely 94%, if you administer decadron, that you you will reduce the mortality rate um, by 18%. And if they get on a ventilator, you reduce the mortality rate by uh, upwards of 30%. Um, So decadron is the one medication, the one intervention that has been shown to impact survival the most. What you're referring to there is what you referred to, Steve, was the remdesivir, which is an antiviral. And that is what the president got 
Um, and what remdesivir does is it acts upon the virus and, 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 and kills the virus. It hasn't been shown to improve survival. What it's been shown to, to improve is, um, is time to recovery. So it has been shown to reduce the, uh, the duration of the illness. What they trend towards a possible survival benefit, but the study that uh, did not clearly define that. So the protocol is whether they start with, uh, if, if someone is uh, uh, afflicted with uh, COVID, uh, is the protocol to start them on the... Dexamethasone. Dexamethasone, so, right. So the protocol, uh, if somebody is diagnosed with COVID-19, um, the protocol is basically supportive care. You treat, you treat it like any other viral infection, you know, fluids, Tylenol, uh, bed rest, that, that, that sort of thing, supportive care. If a patient develops hypoxia, meaning their saturation drops below 90%, at that time, patients should go to the hospital and be evaluated because the treatments are then indicated, namely the dexamethasone and remdesivir. Oh, so anyone that presents to a hospital with a sat rate under 90% is going to be given one of those two uh, medications? Actually, it's under 94% of what the guidelines say. So saturation okay. rate less than 94%, dexamethasone, impossibly remdesivir. Great, great. All right, I've got the question of the show for you, Dr. Johnny. I know you've probably been waiting for this question. How close are we to a vaccine? And if you you watch the news or you read the paper, you just hear so many conflicting things. I, I know you're not Dr. Fauci, but I'm just wondering uh, if you have any insights as to when we can expect uh, to, to see a vaccine and hopefully get back to some sense of normalcy. Yes, well, the last I heard from Dr. Fauci uh, a week or so ago, is that we could expect the vaccine data to come out by early to mid-December. Um, and Pfizer, I believe, has come out with some preliminary data showing 90% efficacy with their vaccine. From what my reading has, has, has told me is that we could expect distribution of the vaccine probably after the first of the year. The vaccine, from what I understand, is going to be a two-part administration separated by a few weeks or a month. Um, and if 90% e efficacy pans out to be true, um, we could uh, get this virus behind us, hopefully by the end of next year. Huh. Boy, from your lips to God's ears, Dr. Johnny. Um, I, will the aging population, the seniors and elders, will they be the first to get uh, the vaccination or you have any uh, idea about that? From what I understand, they are prioritized to be the first ones to get the vaccine because, again, they're the most vulnerable. Got it. Dr. Johnny, again, thanks for the information that uh, you provided today. Very thought-provoking and really answered a lot of questions about COVID-19. Uh, I want to thank you for hitting the trifecta, which means you've been on this show uh, three times. That's uh, that's uh, more prestigious than uh, appearing on Saturday Night Live three times. So uh, Alec Baldwin and Tom Hanks, 
they have nothing on you, Dr. Johnny. So I want to thank you for coming on and really shedding some light on, on this whole COVID uh, situation. Now, if somebody wants to follow you or, or maybe get in touch with you, is there any uh, social media that you have uh, where they could find you on? I'm on LinkedIn. Okay, so they can find you on LinkedIn? John Cascone, MD. John Cascone, C-A-S-C-O-N-E-M-D? Yes, sir. Thanks again, Dr. Johnny. We're going to have you back again because we're going to have to talk about, I think we discussed earlier, Legionnaire's disease or uh, urinary tract infection. So uh, you are an encyclopedia for, for our listeners about infectious diseases. So thanks again, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, my good friend. Thank you. Now, have a good day and stay well. Injured senior and aging population community. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I want to again thank Dr. Johnny Cascone for appearing on today's show. Really, really good stuff uh, about uh, COVID-19. Um, and I'm sure we can all breathe a sigh of relief when we hear that we might be rid of this, uh, hopefully by the end of the next year. So that's good news. If you love the Injured Senior Podcast, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Uh, if you want to share your story on an upcoming show or have any suggestions or comments about the show that you want to talk to me about or share with me, uh, please email me at steve, S-T-E-V-E, at injuredseniorhotline.com. As you know, I answer all emails. So have at it. I'm looking forward to, to reading them. So until next time, I am so looking forward to next week's show. Stay safe, and I will talk to you then. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast with Steve H. Heisler. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more or to get help anytime, go to InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 855-622-6530. We'll see you next time. 